Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Well, good evening. Welcome to our Torah study tonight. Let's see, um, let me see. I guess there's too much to go over before I open in prayer, so let me open in prayer. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for this evening. Thank you for this group of people that decided to take the time out of their life to come and study your Torah. I ask, Father God, that you'd open it up to our understanding tonight, that we might uh, learn a little bit more about you and how much you love us and how you'd like us to behave, and we'd learn a little bit more about just how amazing you are. Thank you for your Torah, and thank you for the exciting portions that we're going to look at tonight. In your name we pray, amen. So last week, when we quit, we just had the Aaron snake eating the snakes of the... Uh, of Pharaoh's magicians, right? Uh, I was the, it was kind of the beginning of this. And I, and I remember I made a big deal about the fact that, uh, you know, um, if we kind of look back a little bit, Moses is out tending sheep, which he'd been done for about 40 years, and he sees the burning bush, and God meets him in the burning bush at the burning bush and tells him he wants to go. He wants him to go lead his people out of Egypt, and Moses is very reluctant to do this. This is just not... I think he at first kind of thought maybe that was something that he was destined to do, but after 40 years attending sheep, he's not so sure anymore. So he tried to talk God out of it, and God wasn't having any of it. He, he, was, he had to do it. And so then he goes to back home. Uh, God says, I'll get your brother Aaron to help you so you won't feel quite so inadequate. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Uh, but he goes in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, well, I'm, uh, I'm here to tell you that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Hebrews, wants you to let his people go. And Pharaoh just pretty much laughed at him, said, I don't know who that God is. I don't know what you've got, you know, why you're even here. And, uh, you know, you're keeping the people from being more productive, so get out of here. And then he decides that they need to uh, have to make the same amount of bricks they're already making, mud bricks, uh, but now they have to make them without straw. In other words, they have to go get their own straw. And so the, the Israelite, the Hebrew uh, foreman, um, go to Pharaoh and say, you know, you can't expect us to do the same amount of bricks when we have to get our own straw. And he basically says, that's your, your fault because you got this yo-yo Moses trying to get you guys a free vacation. So do it. And then they go out and they see Moses. And one of my favorite lines is they, they say, well, thanks a lot. According to them, you've made us stink, and you've made us a stench in Pharaoh's nose, Pharaoh's nostrils. And Pharaoh and Moses goes to God, and he says, you told me that you're going to you know, bring your people out of Egypt, and you haven't done anything. And I often think about that, because what we're going to read tonight is all the stuff that happened, and Moses just didn't have a clue. You know, he had no idea what God had in mind. I think if he did Probably would have worked harder to try to get talked out of it. but <laughs> So tonight we're going to go into the plagues. Because, like I say, this first making making the snake 
turn into or take a stick, turn into a snake and all that. That was just the just the preamble. So we're in uh, Exodus chapter seven, and we're going to start in verse fourteen, I think it is. And this will we'll probably get through most of these tonight, but there's a lot of fun things to talk about here, and there's some very instructional stuff. So instructional things in terms of our understanding of God and why he's done this. Would somebody like to read uh, Exodus chapter 7 from verse 14 to the end of chapter 7? That's fine. You take your time. This is a uh, very laid-back group. By the way, you can, yeah, start... Start in verse 14. There's a switch on the right on the side that says on. Up. Yeah. Hello? Oh, there you go. All right. And Yahweh said to Moshe, the heart of Pharaoh is hard. <clears throat> he refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the water, and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. And take in your hand the rod, which was turned into a serpent, and you should say to him, Yahweh, the Elohim of the Hebrews, has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, so that they serve me in the wilderness. But see, until now you have not listened. Thus said Yahweh, By this you know that I am striking the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish in the river shall die, and the river shall stink and the Mitzrites shall find it impossible to drink the water of the river. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe, Say to Aaron, Take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Mitzrayim, over the streams, over the rivers, over their ponds, and over all their pools of water, that they become blood. And there shall be blood in all the land of Mitzrayim, both in wooden and in stone containers. And Moshe and Aaron did so, as Yahuwah commanded. And he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of his servants. And all the waters that were in the rivers were turned to blood. And the fish that were in the river died, and the river stank, and the Mitzrites were unable to drink the water of the river, and the blood was in the land of Mitzrayim. And the magicians of Mitzrayim did the same with their magic, and the heart of Pharaoh was strengthened, and he did not listen to them, as Yahweh had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and his heart was not moved by this either. And all the Mitzrites dug all around the river for water to drink, for they were unable to drink the water of the river. And seven days were completed nope. after Yahweh, Yahweh had struck the river. That's fine. That's good. Sorry. I, I, never mind. Um, the end, right? Yeah, I did, but I, my Bible is weird, and it shows that last verse in the beginning of chapter 8, so never mind. Oh. That's no problem. We're going to get there anyway. Um, so questions about this. I can't ever get the scene from, you know, Charlton Heston's and the Ten Commandments out of my head, because if you remember the scene, you know, he, he just kind of sticks the rod down in the, in the, in the Nile, and uh, the photography, you know, shows the river, all this red just flowing out, you know, and everything. But that must have been kind of what it looked like because it says it went everywhere, you know. It just must have been pretty cool. Um, 
Let's see. When Moses spoke to God, he spoke God's words in uh, verses 16 to 18 um, to Pharaoh. Did he make God's position clear? Let's look at those, those, just those two or a few verses, starting in verse 15. Um, God tells, says to Moses, go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes to the, out to the water and wait on the bank of the Nile and meet him and say this to him. Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go so they may worship me in the desert. But until now, you have not listened. This is what Yahweh says. By this, you will know that I am Yahweh. With the staff in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile. It will be changed to blood. The fish in the Nile die and the water will stink and all that kind of stuff. So he told them exactly what he was going to do, right? Um, what was he trying to convince Pharaoh of? Joe? That we, wait, we'll get you a, a microphone. I think uh, he was trying to um, get Pharaoh's attention mm-hmm. by showing that he was the powerful one and mm-hmm. that... Uh, Mm-hmm. Going back to the Ten Commandments, which is not here yet, but, but God no, no, says, I understand. You're, that's God a good says, answer. Uh, uh, he is the only God. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, God had to do something to uh, change Pharaoh's heart because Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Yeah. And do so, you, do you remember back at the last interaction between Pharaoh, Moses, and God uh, when there was the first time? And Moses went to him and said, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Israelites sent me to tell you to let the people go. And he says, I don't know this God. Yeah, you know, said, I don't know. There's don't no, know. there's no. And so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know what I you're, talking know so you're talking about. So at least about. he's, uh, he says now, he says, my purpose here is to introduce myself to you. So, you know, I am God, right? Just, uh, it's just kind of a good thing to think about. So, um, were the uh, magicians able to duplicate this miracle? Well, that's a good point. Where they, go get it. <laughs> I don't know how they duplicated it, but in any case, I doubt that they they obviously couldn't have duplicated it on the scale that God did it because that was already done. But he, but they might be able to take a teacup full of water and turn it into blood. Yeah, but he, it could be that God's setting them up because He knew they would be able to do that. Yeah, He knew it. Yeah. And so he's getting ready to take them to a place they yeah. can't compete with him at. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Just real blood. Mm-hmm. The I have a note in the side of my Bible, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, and it says, exactly that question, was the water actual blood? And my note says, some think God literally turned the water to blood. Others, though, believe that the river, because of flooding, was polluted with red-colored earth deposits and turning the water uh, the color of blood. The phrase, into blood, then, would mean that like blood. Either way, the plague initiated by God occurred rapidly. So the point is, is that it's almost irrelevant whether it was blood or not. You need to get the mic. Asua turned the water into wine. So was know, it real wine? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. you know, it might be grape juice. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, if, if God, if He's a God of everything, it wouldn't be nothing for Him to uh, 
and turn it into real blood or whatever. Sure. In in my opinion, he did. Right? You know, some people like to be able to come up with some physical um way that some of these miracles could have happened, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. As the note said, it doesn't really matter because God did it. I mean, even if it was just red-colored water, he was able to do it when Moses stuck the stick in it, which is pretty cool anyway, right? Yeah. So when Moses meets Pharaoh at the river, was Pharaoh in denial? Yes, Pharaoh was in denial. That's very good. That's, that's a good one. You've been waiting all night for that, huh? I just thought of it. <laughs> okay. Well, I was thinking, uh, um, well, Joe had mentioned God was trying to get Pharaoh to loosen up, but actually it says that he was hardening his heart. Mm-hmm. Yep. So As we watched. It's hard to, uh, I guess, human nature, especially somebody in that position mm-hmm. who uh, kind of views himself as a God in mm-hmm. his own right, even mm-hmm. though he's not, yep. you know, he would have trouble humbling himself, I yep. would think. Yep. Let me, let, let me address that in a couple ways, because we're going to come back to that several times. First of all, sometimes it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and sometimes it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. And I've tried to determine if there's a, a clear difference between one and the other. And I can't see that in all of these cases, it says God did. And in all of these cases, it says Pharaoh did. But I've had to wrestle with that a lot. And what I've kind of come to grips with is Pharaoh obviously believed his own PR. You know, he, he was a God. He believed that. And he never did hear of the Israelite God and could care less because he was a God. And he, he quite honestly wasn't averse to the idea of having it out with this God that he didn't know anything about. And so he, uh, he, he challenged him. I mean, in a minute here, we'll see that he did something that was just really, really stupid from God's perspective. But it was because he didn't, you know, he thought he was above it. He thought he, he was as, ever been as powerful as this God. So, but we'll get there. Yep. Also, um, you know, there's that scripture that says he'll give them over to a powerful delusion. Yep. Whereby if you, if you do not acknowledge, uh, you know, Yah- Yahuwah as the, you know, the God of the creator yep. and all, he'll, you know, more or less say, okay, okay. then you, you, I'm going to give you what you want. Yeah. He says, if that's really what, if that's really the way you want to go, have at it. Yeah, I think to a large degree that kind of applies to Pharaoh. But we'll talk again. We'll talk some more about this because as we move along, it becomes a, a bigger and bigger issue. Anything else? We'll move on to the next plague, plague number two. Does somebody want to read chapter eight from verse one to uh, verse 15, through verse 15? From verse one through verse 15. Raise your hand. You can get the microphone if you want to read. Joe will read it. Uh, one to where? 15, through 15. And I said to Moses, say to Aaron, reach out your hand with your staff over the rivers, canals, no, and ponds. No, it's verse chapter 8, verse 1. Are they? 
I don't think so, because he was reading about the river. Was what uh, chapter 8 says. Uh, yeah, the rivers, which is plural, canals, plural, and ponds, plural, and cause uh, frogs to come up. All right. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Unto the land of Egypt. Uh, let's see. And the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the musicians did the same thing with their secrets, art, and brought up frogs unto the land of Egypt. Okay, okay, I got to get you to go back. Because go back up where, it's, where it says seven days passed after. Okay, you. that's verse 25. Okay, you're right, John. Sorry. Seven days after Ananias struck the river, Ananias said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh and say to him, here is what Ananias says, let my people go so that they can worship me. If you, if you refuse to let them go, I will strike all of your territory with frogs. The river will swarm with frogs. They will go up, enter your palace, and then go into your bedroom, onto your bed. Yuck. They will, they will enter the houses of your servants, and you and your people and go into you and go into your ovens and keeling bowls the frogs will climb all over you your people and your servants go keep 15 through 15 okay. or through the okay. end of the story okay. if you will and Noah said to Moses say to Aaron reach out your hand with your staff over the rivers canals and ponds and caused frogs to come up into the land of Egypt. Aaron put out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the musicians did the same thing with their secret arts and brought, and brought up frogs into the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Intercede with Araniah to take the frogs away away from me and my people, and I will let the people go and sacrifice to Ananias. Moses said to Pharaoh, not only that, but you can have uh, the honor of naming the time when I will pray for you, your servants and your people, to be rid of the frogs, both yourself and your homes, and that they, and that they stay only in the river. He answered, tomorrow, Moses said, it will be as you have said, and from this, and from this you will learn that Ananias, our God, has no equal. The frogs will leave you and your homes, also your servants and your people. They will stay in the river only. Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh's presence, and Moses cried to Ananias about the frogs he had brought up on uh, Pharaoh. And I said to, and I did as Moses had asked. The frogs died in the houses, courtyards, and fields. And they gathered them in heaps till the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that he had been given some relief, he made himself hard-hearted and would not listen to them, just as Noah had said would happen. Okay. Okay. So, again, let's talk about exactly what happened. First of all, how much time passed between the uh, first plague and this plague? Seven days, one week later. So one week later, he comes in, and, and again, he tells Pharaoh what he's going to do. 
right? Um, um, yeah. Sure, we're on Exodus. Exodus chapter 8. Okay. We've just started. Okay. Um, so, describe the plague. What was the plague like? Just gazillion frogs. Again, I can't help but think of the movie, right? They're all over everywhere. They're up in your bedroom. They're on your bed. They're in your oven. They're in your kneading trough. They're just everywhere. You know, frogs aren't that pleasant anyway, like you say. Yuck, right? Um, so were Pharaoh's magicians able to duplicate this? Yeah, yeah it was. They, uh, I often thought about that. Now, again, back to this, well, you know, um, well, that's, uh, yeah, no kidding. Tadpoles are pretty resilient things, and tadpoles can grow pretty fast. I mean, I used to, when I was a kid, you go out and you take a net and you get tadpoles in a net and you stick them in your fishbowl in your bedroom and before long they're frogs. So, I mean, you know, yeah, go ahead. Why, why would, uh, when Moses asked Pharaoh, when do you want this to happen? He says tomorrow. Why would he say like, uh, like right now? Yeah, that's what I would have said. That's always been a question to me too. Go ahead. I have to laugh about the frogs because down south where I come from, <laughs> we eat frog lakes. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, you know, yeah. we used to go, uh, uh, when I was a teenager, we'd go out to the riverbank and catch frogs uh -huh. and taste just like chicken. That's right. That's right. Um, I was going to say, you know, another thing about these, these, go ahead, John. How loud were these frogs? <laughs> loud. I would think they'd be very they, loud. They'd be very loud. They bother the heck out of people. Yeah. If they were bullfrogs, they're very loud. Yeah. They're very yeah. loud. Yeah. And and they grow big. They're, they're yep. Big old things. Ten inches from nose to yeah. the other end. The, another thing about these, and I should have mentioned it with the last plague, the plague of the blood in the Nile, each one of these plagues is centered around an Egyptian god. Now, that's not too hard because the Egyptians had a gazillion gods anyway. But the last plague was basically faced, you know, just directly in the face of this god. I think that it's happy or happy or hoppy, uh, which is a, the, the Egyptian god of the Nile. And, you know, they worshipped the god of the Nile. So for the god of the Hebrews to be able to turn the Nile into blood was a kind of a slap in the face to this goddess. I, it's, it's interesting to note, too, in these uh, scripture verses, how the, the musicians duplicated the same thing as Moses was telling. Yeah. But you know but, it's not on the same scale. Well, yeah, but it's yeah. still happening. Yeah, but yeah. It leads me to believe back in the Old Testament where Satan will do, uh, the Antichrist will do signs and wonders. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. uh, everything that God has done, Satan has counterfeited. He can counterfeit to and some so, degree. To some degree, right. Yeah. But we will find that this is the last plague that they were able to do that. But I think it's, uh, I'm sure that Satan was inspiring these musicians to do that. Well, of course. The, uh, the other thing is, if you want to look at it from another point of view, is as long as Pharaoh's magicians could duplicate what Moses and Aaron were doing, then Pharaoh had some confidence that he hadn't met his match yet. Go ahead. 
If I was Pharaoh, I'd be saying to my magicians, why are you duplicating this? You're making it worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't you make them disappear? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. If you're any good, you'll make it go away. Of course. Of course. They couldn't do that. Yeah. Well, and, and again, on both of these, it doesn't say, but in my opinion, both of these was simply like a, a minor little thing. Like, you know, brings in this bowl of water and says, poof, watch, it's blood, you know, or he, he, somehow or another, he says, let me create this frog for you out there. And he, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but anyway, um, let's see, what else do I want to say? Oh, this God, the God, it's, his name is Hect, H-E-K-T, Hect. The Egyptian, it's a goddess. That's a fertility goddess, which kind of makes sense with frogs, is represent, represented as a woman with a frog's head. I think I remember seeing that one time uh, by producing an infestation of frogs and making the people literally sick to death of them, right? God showed that the goddess Hecht was not in control of fertility, even that of frogs. And it must have been discouraging to see the symbol of their fertility goddess turned into a reeking piles of dead, dead frogs. Kind of gross. Jerry, over here. I see somebody who's got it. Oh, sorry, John. Yes. They, they, they got to come up with better names. Happy and heck. Yeah, oh, I know compelling. it. Yeah, there's a lot of these. I'm sorry. And I'm not, I don't even feel good about those names because I looked them up one time and I never have heard of them before, really. Okay, so um, that's it. is that really what it, I can't see it from here, but that's cool. I, okay. Um, the frog God, we got more. Uh, there's also one here. Well, we'll talk, we'll get there soon enough. Um, so Moses said, like you say, this whole thing is mysterious. Why did Moses say, I'll even allow you to have the honor of telling me when you want the frogs to go. If I were Moses, I'd have said now do it now. He says tomorrow. Right. Okay. Then tomorrow came the frogs then, you know, all died and became big piles of stink. Uh, and what did Pharaoh do? He says, changed his mind. Yeah, he pulled a Gilda Ratner and said, never mind. Right? And he says, you, you know, you're not going anywhere. So what does that tell you about Pharaoh? Number one, he has no concept of, of you know, morality and character and ethics, right? And number two, he obviously felt like he could get away with that. He's lawless and unjust. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I didn't say that. Okay. It, anything else about the plague of frogs before we go on? I just wanted to contrast sure. with, y- with Yahweh. What it says in Numbers, uh, Balaam says, uh, Yah is not a man that he should lie, nor the man it's not a man that he should repent. Yep. Just an interesting contrast. That's true. Uh, you know, yeah. You know, we, we sometimes, I, I've thought about this certainly lately, sometimes I wonder about the fact that uh, as a society, we oftentimes don't put any uh, value on truth and honesty. You know, it's like, like your word can mean nothing and nobody cares. Witness some of the stuff that goes on in our government. But anyway. I think that uh, Moses was kind of weak at this point by letting Pharaoh, well, you know, let's do it right now. I want it done right now. And Moses said, no, I'll give you the more. No, no, that's not what happened at all, though. He said to what uh, Moses said to Pharaoh is, I will allow you to tell me when you want this done. Okay, that's what I'm saying. It's like giving the enemy uh, a break. Yeah. 
Moses, well, Moses said, this day, right now, this hour, I want you, you to do this. Because Moses didn't say that. I know he didn't, but he should have. Oh, I see. He should have. I see. Okay. And instead of saying, well, I'll let you make a decision when I you see. want this to happen. So we'll, we'll Why assume, give the enemy that break? Well, we'll assume that Moses was doing what God told him to. <laughs> but I understand your point. Um, but you did bring up something kind of interesting in my own mind, and that is that, you know, again, Moses is just starting this. This is only, what is it, plague number two, right? And uh, again, two plagues ago, Moses thought he was done with the job. You know, he, he says, God, how come you're not doing anything? And, and God knows what's going on here, but I don't think, well, Moses, like I say, Moses doesn't have a clue at this point. But just a second. But I didn't hear you. Wait, what? I was just saying that uh, I think that that lesson, you know, the back and forth part is not just for the Pharaoh. It was also for, for Moses somehow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and not only that, but it's for us. Yeah. So we'll go on. Plague number three here. Okay. It's a, this is short from a textual thing. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll read it. Okay, good. It's, uh, well, you, you can actually read this one, but then you can read it, the next one, but you have to wait. So read from verse uh, 16 through 19, 16 through 19. <clears throat> then Yahweh said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust on the ground and it will become gnats <clears throat> or lice uh, through the land of Egypt. They, they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand and his staff and struck the dust of the earth and there were Gnats on man and animal. All the dust of the land became gnats throughout all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried their secret arts and enchantments to create gnats, but they could not. Uh, there were gnats on man, animal, on man and an animal. The magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And he would not listen to them, just as Yahweh had said. Okay, so let's talk about gnats for a minute here. First of all, man, they are irritating. Bart. So I uh, always like to speak about this plague specifically <laughs> because many years ago, I feel the Father revealed something um, in an interesting way through my nephew. So as you had mentioned before, <clears throat> they're duplicating the other ones. This one's different. Yep. What makes this one different is really interesting because he tells him to strike the dust that it, the dust, will become gnats. And so the magicians say this is the etzba, finger, of God. This word etzba means literally... Fingers refer to the work artfully produced, especially in regard to God. They refer to the handiwork of his creative power, the heavens, the plagues, and the law on the stone tablets. So what happened here was God is now separating everything that's been done before. So now he's like, I am the only creator that can take dust and make life out of dust. Duplicate that if you can and, of course, they can't. So this makes a distinction of who he is. Your stone gods can't create. 
I'm the only one that can create. That's a good point. That's a good point. And that goes with, uh, well, let's see. What was it? For, I lost my thought there. That's okay. Does anybody else have a comment? Joe does. Yeah, this goes back to what Mark's saying. It goes back to Genesis 1, the very first verse. God created everything, yep. and yep. he has control of and I mean outwardly and inwardly. Yep. The, I remember what I was going to say, that the magicians used the term finger of God. And like Mark was saying, finger of God, it's, it's used about, oh, half a dozen times maybe, maybe less than that in the Bible. And it always refers to something that he does specifically himself. And it is a creative act. I mean, the, the finger of God, uh, like another place where it's used is the in, engraving on the first tablets that Moses brings down. That's what I was going to say. He engraved them. The finger of God engraved those. So uh, the finger of God is, is that's, that's exactly his creative, his creative signature, if you will. And it's not unusual that the magicians couldn't do it. When you first read it, you think, well, heck, if they can create frogs, they ought to be able to create ants. But, you know, like you say, the, 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 the gnats came from the dust. Dust. And, and if you imagine, you know, whacking a, a dusty old floor and a big poof comes up and every one of those little particles becomes a gnat. Have you ever wondered about gnats, the way they can sit there and right in your eye and you can turn and they're still right in your eye no matter where you are, they're right in well, I, I was just uh, thinking, you know, where's all those frogs that take care of the gnats? You know, I mean, <laughs> good point. Good point. Um, the magicians didn't create the frogs. They called them out of the river. That's true. That's true. That's very true. I think there's a difference between the frogs and uh, gnats. The frogs were uh, like a, a living organism, but the dust of the ground came gnats or came lice. That is totally something different than uh, than the frogs. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's true. Um, and now, if Pharaoh had a brain, he would say, "Wow, you know, my magicians were keeping up. You know, maybe this is something different." But you know, Pharaoh just says, "Maybe we ought to get rid of the magicians." Um, there is a a god in Egypt called Geb or Jeb depending on how you pronounce it. It's spelled G-E-B, and it's the god of the earth. And so it rained over the dust of the earth. And so the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, was able to make a laughing stock of this Egyptian god by making um, the dust of the earth turn into pesky little gnats. Okay, want to go on? I got another comment? Do you have something? Well, I was going to comment on your next portion because it ties into... The flies, you mean? Well, uh, uh, as far as how a, a distinction is being made. So do you want me to wait until it's yeah. read? Well, let's read it first. Okay. And then, yeah, you can go. Um, Kenny was reading, and we'll let him. If you don't mind, do you want to read some more? Okay. From verse 20 through the end of that chapter. Now, Yahweh said to Moses, get up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he's coming out to the water. And say to him, Thus says Yahweh, Let my people go, so that they may serve me. For if you do, um, for if you do not let my people go, um, hear this: I will send swarms of insects on you and your servants, and upon your people, and into your house, and in the houses of the Egyptians will 
be full of swarms of insects as well as the ground on which they stand. But on that day, I will separate and set apart the land of Goshen where my people live or are living so that no swarm of insects will be there and so that you may know and acknowledge that I am Yahweh. I am in the midst of the earth. I will put division, distinction between my people and your people. By tomorrow this sign shall be evidence. Then Yahweh did so, and there came heavy and oppressive swarms of blood-sucking insects into the houses of Pharaoh and his servants, and all the land of Egypt was corrupted and ruined because of the insects. Even all... Great. Can you do you mind reading it some more? Okay. Just continue through the end of the chapter. That's uh, verse. I'm at 25 now. Go to verse 32. Then Pharaoh called, Mo called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God in the land. But Moses said, It is not right to do so, for we, are, we will sacrifice to Yahweh our God what is repulsive and unacceptable to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice what is repulsive and unacceptable to the Egyptians, will they not riot and stone us? We must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to Yahweh our God, as he has commanded us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go so that you may sacrifice to Yahweh your God in the wilderness. Only <clears throat> you shall not go very far away. Plead for me. Moses said, I am going to leave you, and I will urgently petition Yahweh. The swarms of insects may leave Pharaoh, his servants, and his people tomorrow. Do not let Pharaoh act deceitfully again, nor letting the people go to sacrifice to Yahweh. Sorry. It's okay. Sure I read that right. So Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh, and Yahweh did as Moses asked, and removed the swarms of insects from Pharaoh and his servants and from the people. Not one remained, but Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, and he did not let the people go. Okay. So Mark, you want to... Did you have I a question have or a no, comment? One thing uh, rad to say, and uh, this is... Um, Kind of in the commentary on my Bible here, um, where it says uh, that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Uh -huh. um, it's a, a nature inclined of man's or of man who is to oppose God. So, you know, he, being in a direct opposition of God, continued to hard harden his own heart in his yeah. pride and sinfulness as to he desired. Yeah. yeah, you sure don't see any sign of repentance. Well, a few things. <clears throat> We're talking about the plague of flies here. One I wanted to say, in the, in the world of microscopic bacteria, microbials, it's the flies that land on the things that are dead that enable this ecosystem to clean up that which is putrefying, which is, which is rotten and, and disgusting. It's interesting that God's not going to let that come upon his people, which is holy and clean. It's going to come upon the world that's putrefied, that is 
that is a rotting, that is an mm -hmm. abomination. Secondly, God allows his people to go through the first two plagues, three plagues. Mm -hmm. And here it says three times in verse 22 and twice in verse 23. Verse 22 says, I'm going to set apart. So this is the Hebrew word, uh, pala. But I will put a division, pedut, and tomorrow will be this sign, ot. First time sign appears in the plagues. So God is going to make a distinction between what is holy and profane, what's clean and unclean. We always talk about how the plagues are coming back. And so here is, it's his people was a part of the gnat plague because both his people and the profane needed to see who the creator is. Mm -hmm. But now a distinct, now that everyone sees who the creator is, the distinction can be made of that which is putrefying and rottening. That's good. Yep. And so God's now going to make a distinction between one group and the other. And from this point on, nothing comes upon his people. Yep. Only upon that which is rotting uh, or what is an abomination in the land. Yep. So I, I find that interesting that this is the point and when when the plagues come back, we need to remember it's okay. We're going to be a part of a couple of plagues. We don't have to fret. Yeah, God's going to show us something, and then once we see what He's wanting us to see, He'll make His distinction when He's ready to make the distinction. Yep. Well, one of the things you said, which I think is a very good point, is, and I'm going to at the end of this stuff, we're going to go ask about this. But God is accomplishing several things with all of this, and one is He said up front, He says, "I want." Pharaoh and his people to know that I am God, not just any old God. I am the God, and I'm here, and I'm with my people. So that's one thing he wants to show. But the other thing he wants to do is he wants to make sure that his people understand that too. And we're going to find like half a dozen other things that God is doing with this. Go ahead. One, one thing too that's really awesome about that um, is his people were still um, um, able to, to worship him. And one thing uh, with... Um, uh, with the Egyptians and everything that took place with them getting eaten up, it made them, uh, all of their high priests, ritually unclean. So they were all sacrifice, all worship of these pagan deities ceased and, and, and didn't proceed forward because. Well, yeah, because. The, yep. That. Yep. Yeah, well, it was a war between the gods, right? We just happened to have the 800 pound gorilla. That's not nice, but, you know, you get the idea. I don't know if the scripture proves this point, but the flying insects, I was thinking of locusts, mm -hmm. where they would eat all the green, all the grains, everything, which in turn would affect starvation and famine mm -hmm. because the livestock couldn't eat. Yep. And if there was n n nothing, uh, no greens or anything because of the flying insects, then there was a, had to be a mass famine. Yep. Well, we're, we're not near. I mean, it gets worse. This is just the beginning. What you say is true, but it gets much worse in terms of famine. Is this the first time that Pharaoh relents in any way? Well, this is the first time he says, uh, okay, okay. You can go. Yeah. But don't yeah. go too far. Yeah. Yeah. I, and then, then to say that, 
And then the very next day say, no, no. So I guess it's really not. I think he did it with the gnats too, didn't he? Well, he even asked for to say something to me or entreat for me also, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think this is the first one, yeah. It, it sounds like he... It sounds like a parent would say to a child, well, you can go outside, but don't go too far. Yeah. You know, there's, it's, it's not, it's, it's a qualified uh, restraint that he's putting on them. Well, yes. And not only that, it's real clear that he has no regard for the God of the Israelites. You know, if, if this is what I have to say to you to get you to make your God quit bugging me, I'm happy to say it, but there's no way I need to stand by it because I'm bigger than he is. You know, it, well, back like to I the, say, Pharaoh believes his own PR. The parent ID, idea. There's a legal concept called parens patrae. I think I'm okay. saying it correctly. Where the state claims over some people that they're the parent of. They, okay. They're acting as the parent. All right. So that's kind of. That's, that's kind of what he was doing. That's how I'm looking at what he's doing. He's, okay. he's saying, well, okay, you know, yeah. he, he is kind of, this God's kind of a pain and, yeah. and I'll let you go, but don't go too far. Yeah. 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 There's certainly that. It says in verse 32, but this time also Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. So there's a, um, a Hebrew god called Kepri, Kepri, who is the Egyptian god of creation and rebirth. And he was represented, if you get this, by a man with the head of a fly. Again, you know, God makes a nuisance out of an Egyptian god. Uh, that's Beelzebub, I think. Mm-hmm. But that's a good question. Um, let's see. So it is real important, as, as Mark pointed out, that he is, uh, he is setting the Hebrews apart, the Israelites apart. And, and, and he is protecting them. Now, in the beginning, you know, like I say, Moses walked in and says, our God says, let my people go. And he said, I don't know who your God is. And so each one of these, he reveals a little bit more about himself, not only to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's officials, but again, also to the Israelites themselves. So that's kind of cool. And so that was plague number, what, four? Chapter nine. Chapter nine. Does someone want to, uh, any more questions about lies? Yeah, Joe. Or thoughts, I should say, not questions necessarily. I think these plagues are getting this progression. You know, it start out with one thing; they keeps getting worse, absolutely, and worse, and worse absolutely. And worse. Yep. And needless to say, Pharaoh is is his heart is hardening each time because each time he's saying, you know, I can do that. You know, I can beat that. I, I you know, he's he's just he's just really, it's a it's a war. You know. So somebody want to read? Chapter 9 from the beginning, from verse 1 through verse 7. Just the first seven verses. Then Yahweh said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus saith Yahweh, the Elohim of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if thou refuse to let them go, and wilt Hold them still. Behold, the hand of Yahweh is upon the cat, thy cattle, which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. 
there shall be very grievous marine, marine. Mm. Yahweh shall distinguish between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall be, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel's. And uh, Yahweh appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow Yahweh shall do this thing in the land. And Yahweh did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died. But of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israel, Is, Israelites dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Okay. And there's a couple of things about this one. Again, they're getting they're getting tougher and tougher each one, right? Um, there's an important little phrase. I don't know that I heard it when you were reading. Um, sorry, but it's uh, in verse three. It says, "The hand of Yahweh will bring a terrible plague," is what my version says, "on your livestock in the field." The verse there, the, the phrase is in the field. Because, does it say in the field? Which, yep. Because the, the thought here is that if they were listening to God and kind of knew what was going on here, and they took their cattle and their donkeys or whatever out of the field, they wouldn't get the plague. And uh, that's reason. I'll tell you why they thought that, and I'll tell you why that's there. It's because we got another plague coming and it kills all the animals. So you can't kill all the animals twice. So this killed all the animals that was in the field, that were in the field. And it also kind of makes sense from the fact that not one animal of the Israelites could be killed if the Israelites were listening to God and they brought them all inside. You know, they brought them all in the, in the barn or whatever under shelter because it was the ones that were in the field that were got the plague. Let's see, I just want to talk about that. Let's see. This would have been a very expensive plague because, you know, this uh, livestock is, is, is a big deal. It's one thing to uh, be inconvenienced by a bunch of frogs or to have gnats in your face or something like that, but we're talking big money in terms of livestock. So uh, another thing you can imagine here, we know that when this is all over and the Israelites leave, a fair number of Egyptians went with them, right? Um, and I bet you at this point in the, the sequence of things here, uh, some of these Egyptians are kind of getting a clue, you know, because it's not looking like Pharaoh's winning. And if uh, that's, I think, is part of why this one says, uh, tell them we're going to do this in advance. So it gave people an opportunity to say uh, to themselves, well, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out, but I think I'll do what God says and bring my livestock in. So anyway, I I blabbed enough there. What do you have to say? It seems in this case, uh, Pharaoh, rather than being disgusted or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. frogs and whatnot, he's just more angry because it just says he goes in and sees that the livestock of Israel has not been killed. And it seems like he gets angry and then hardens his heart. That's a good, that's a good observation. And he goes and invests, or he, he sends his people to, to look at the Israelites and finds out that none of their, their livestock was in. Yeah. There's a note of humor that might be thought of here because they worship the cows, mm-hmm. and to have to worship a cow that was sick 
must have been yeah difficult yeah. and repulsive. Yep, I'm glad you brought that link, and that's that one is a is a Egyptian god I've heard of, Hathor. Hathor was often depicted as a woman with a cow's head, if if you can imagine that. Goddess, the goddess of love and protection. Yep, that's that's true too. Okay, Gary. Yes. Well, it's interesting that what gets Israel in trouble at Mount Sinai, the golden calf. Yep. Yep. And you, did they forget about this or something? Or evidently they did. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. That's a good point. He's got something here. Okay. So, um, verse 8. Would somebody like to read from 8? These are getting shorter here. 8 through 12. Verses 8 through 12. And Yahweh said to Moshe and Aaron, Fill your hands with ashes from a furnace. Well, let Moshe scatter it toward the heavens before the eyes of Pharaoh. And it shall become fine dust in all the land of Mitzrayim, and it shall cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast in all the land of Mitzrayim. So they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moshe scattered them toward the heavens, and they caused boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians were unable to stand before Moshe because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and all the Mitzrites. But Yahuwah strengthened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them, as Yahuwah had said to Moshe. Does, yep. does your say hardened? Mm -hmm. It says hardened. he strengthened his heart. Well, strengthened is another word. Mine definitely says hardened. I think it's the same general thing that's been going along with each one. Um, yeah. Chapter 9, verse 12. How much time's passed at this point? Is That's a very good question. Yeah, it, um, the, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell. We do know that there was one week between the first plague and the second plague. So that gives the impression that it went relatively quickly. This would have rendered all of the high priests of Egypt again ritually unclean probably keeping them again from performing their tasks. Well, it it could be, but I'll bet you that's the least of their worries at this yeah, point. Yeah, but that, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. What's, what's some other things that are different about this plague? It keeps getting worse. Oh, it does. It keeps and, getting uh, worse. But I was thinking, too, um, the time lapse uh, because the scriptures kept saying, get up early in the morning, get up early in the morning. Yeah, so that has to be at least a day. And uh, so uh, how many weeks, how many days was this? I don't think everything happened all at once. I oh, think no. there's a progression, maybe two, three weeks, you know, uh -huh. or then another two, three weeks, another two, three weeks. So, it might have been two or three. It might have been one. But it wasn't, wasn't every single day, I don't think. And it wasn't like once a month or two. Is yeah, this the so. uh, first time it, it actually affects their actual physical being? That's the difference. That's the difference. I mean, before, you could talk about, you know, flies are a nuisance, gnats are a nuisance, losing all your cattle is a nuisance. I mean, that's, that's bad stuff. This hurts. 
I mean, this this boils are a pain, literally, right? And you can imagine it doesn't say one way or the other, but you can imagine that Pharaoh was afflicted too. It certainly says all his uh, officials were. Uh, now, if I were working for old Pharaoh, I'd be kind of hacked off at this point because I'd say, good gosh, don't you have a clue here? You know, <laughs> this is, you're not winning, dude. Yeah, but it, it said that God hardened his heart. Yes, okay, good point. So, good point. you know, at this point in time, Pharaoh's turned into a puppet, and he has no control over it. Well, I'm not so sure well, I'd say that. Maybe not none, but, yeah. but yeah. He has God's been, guiding him to do what he wants him to do. Well, yes. I think the way I put it, and John and I a lot of times don't agree on this, but the way I'd put it is God knew that Pharaoh was the kind of man that wasn't going to relent. And so he said, okay, if that's the way you want it, then go for it. And he, if you will, helped him along. But if there had been any part of Pharaoh that would have said at some point in time, okay, I realize now that, I mean, can you imagine Pharaoh saying this? I realize now that I was wrong about all these Egyptian gods and your God really is the one true God. I don't see Pharaoh saying that. And I think God knew that. That's all I'm saying about it. Mark. I just, I'm backing up to um, verse 5 okay. in chapter 9. I forgot to mention where it says the Lord set a definite time. Yep. The Hebrew word is moed. Okay. So he's basically saying I'm setting a moed here. An, an appointment. Which, an appointment yep. for tomorrow. And this is where, of course, the distinction between now, instead of a distinction between people, it's a distinction between the animals. Yep. Good point. So the plague of the boils is, to me, kind of a big turning start, turning point. Along with uh, Pharaoh's hardening his heart, I believe that God allowed it because he could foresee the fact that... Uh, Pharaoh wasn't going to change his mind. Yes. It was uh, his in his DNA that he was a pagan. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of his paganness, you know, it's, it's like in the, the day you can hear the, a person can hear the gospel and still not believe. Intellectually, they can see it. Mm -hmm. But spiritually, in their hearts, they mm -hmm. deny it. They yeah. So God allows it. If you, want to be, if you want to be filthy, be filthy still. If you want to mm -hmm. be righteous, be righteous still. It's up to the individual. Yep, yep. It is definitely up to the individual. I think, like I say, uh, it's difficult for us time-bound individuals to understand that God can be all-knowing. He can know how everything's going to turn out, but yet we still have the ability to choose. Uh, I, that's that's a, a contradiction that I believe, this is just me, that I believe we just have to learn to live with. If we would... If it were possible for us to understand what it was like to exist outside of time, we might have a clue about what that means. But God definitely, he makes it very clear that it's up to us to make the choice. But he also makes it very clear that he knows exactly how everything's going to turn out. That's difficult to wrap your mind around, no matter how you look at it. But it's true. So, kind of like, get over it. <laughs> yes? Uh, we talked about this the last time around. I lean towards the idea that harden means, it, the word meaning is to st give strength, to strengthen. Okay. In other words, the Lord gave him the strength to carry out his will. Okay. Whereas if he hadn't got that strength, he would have had the will, but he wouldn't have had the strength, and so he wouldn't have went crawled under his bed and, he, and hid. <laughs> you know? That, okay. So that's that's, one, that's all right. one view that's out there, which I kind of lean towards that mm -hmm. 
you know, God didn't force him to do it. Or no. some people take the meaning of hardness if God made him, you know, he didn't, him, yeah, he didn't do it. Attitude yet. of rebellion. Yep. Which, he didn't uh, force Pharaoh to do something against his will. Right. He allowed his will to be conformed to his heart, really, right. I think is what amounted to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The other thing we can make a comparison to is, you know, Pharaoh is kind of in the elite elitist bubble yep. there in his oh, little, yeah. little palace, and yep. he had more resources and protection so he could last longer. Oh, yeah. Compare that to Macron in France, <laughs> this elitist <laughs> that for a couple of years has been increasing and increasing the burdens on the people. Yeah. And he's fine. Doesn't yeah. bother him any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until now. Until just, now. He, he broke the camel's back and they exploded in rebellion. Yeah. Well, that's, heck, the best example, that's old Louis the Fourteenth, right? Where right. uh, Roy Antoinette said, you know, let them eat cake, right? They're hungry. They don't have any bread. Well, let them eat cake then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good. Very good. Anyway, so they're getting worse. Let's see. The God associated with the boils in, in my notes was Mhotep or Isis was considered to be the god of healing, and Isis was the goddess of medicine and peace. So between healing and medicine and peace, they were shown to be somewhat, yeah, impotent's a good word, yeah, insufficient, yeah. So let's do one more. Um, verse 13, uh, this is a long enough section, we're going to have to break it up a little bit. Let's, uh, it's, there's, things are getting tough here. So let's, someone want to read from verse 13 through 26. I'll do it. Well, okay. You want to do it, Mark? Okay. Then Yahweh said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, God of the Jews, no, God of the Hebrews, God of the, Hebrews, the <laughs> Ivrim, uh -huh. the ones who have crossed over. Let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send my plagues on you and your servants and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. For if by now I had put forth my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this reason, I have allowed you to remain in order to show you my power and in order to proclaim my name throughout all the earth. Still, you exalt yourself against my people by not letting them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will send a very heavy hail such as not been seen in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now, therefore, send, bring your livestock and whatever you have in the field to safety. Every man and beast that is found in the field and is not brought home, when the hail comes down on them, they will die. The one among the servants of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord made his servants and his livestock flee into the house. But he who paid no regard to the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. Now the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky that all hail may fall on the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, on every part and plant of the, of the field. Throughout the land of Egypt, Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky and Yahuwah sent thunder and hail and fire 
ran down to the earth, and Yahuwah made the, the rain and hell on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very severe, such has not been seen in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hell struck all that was in the field through all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. The hell also struck every plant of the field and shattered every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the sons of Israel where the sons of Israel were, there was no hail. Uh, this, I have a few comments. Yeah. This is a big deal. Yeah, this yeah, is a big deal. This one's a big deal. So I wanted to point out, um, obviously pointed out about the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Were there Jews present at the time? Well, yeah. Yeah. Sure. The they, of Judah was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's talking about Hebrews here. Mm-hmm. So let's look at verse 16. This, for indeed, this reason I have allowed you to remain in order to show you my power in order to proclaim my name throughout all the earth. So he's leaving his people. Notice he's not he's not rapturing his people out of Egypt. <laughs> but the reason that the people of e, the, the, his people of God to stay there to see it, he's telling us right here why. Yeah. Now let's take a quick little look at Ezekiel twenty verse forty one. This is at the time when all this rapture stuff is supposed to take place. He says. As a soothing aroma, I will accept you when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you from the lands where you're scattered. I will prove myself holy among you in the sight of the nations. Very similar wording that he's saying here in mm-hmm. the Exodus. I will show you my power in order to proclaim my name through all the earth in their sight. So they're going to see this so that his fame and name and power can be proclaimed and spoken of for generations to come. We're still talking about it. Yeah. And so it's this is the reason why we've got to be there. We're gonna I we're gonna be here when some of this stuff takes place. Secondly, here's another distinction made. Here's this is what plague? What number is this? This is uh plague number seven. Seven? Mm-hmm. So we should expect that all the rest of the earth won't start obeying until plague number seven. Yep. Yep. That's the pattern we're seeing. But right. you make a really good point when you talk about this is why we're needed, if you will, needed Absolutely. in quotes. Yeah. It's because we're going to be used to show the rest of the world that God exists. Yeah. And take tell us him, out of yeah. the picture. You take the, the, the Hebrews out of the picture. Yeah. You know, nothing's really mattering here. Yeah. You know? And so... He's, here the people start obeying. A distinction is made between disobedience and obedience. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, It's interesting. It took seven good lashes before something started <laughs> happening. Some people are slower learners. Yeah, and we see that amongst our own kids, don't we, and, yeah. and ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> in, in Revelation, it talks about the hell coming back, and it doesn't tell us here how big the hell is, although it says it's big enough to shatter the tree. Yeah, well, and kill animals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to shatter a tree, we've seen softball-sized hail. They're not shattering trees. No. In Revelation, it says they're 100 pounds. Yeah. Now, 100-pound That'll do some, that'll do some ice, damage. Yep, yep. That might, coming down at whatever speed it's coming down from, you know, the height that it's at, yep. I could see that shattering some trees. And I got to tell you, a man out there mm-hmm. and one of these come down on his head. He's toast. It's yeah. not a pretty sight. No. 
Not sure. to mention, you know, it was a, probably a bloodbath on every everything that was alive out there. Yeah. Uh, now, well, and you can just imagine how, other than that, which is gross enough to think about, think about absolutely every living thing, you know, trees and bushes, nothing. Yeah. 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 Ezekiel twenty forty one, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another way of saying, if you're if you're raptured out, there's no one there to be a witness. Yeah. If you're there, you can say, I'm an eyewitness. Yeah. I, that happened. I, yeah. no, I I was there. Yeah. Um, it, in this verse too is, I kind of always just sort of assumed that that, that uh, he was doing this thing because he wanted to dress down their, their gods, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it, but it actually kind of says that right here in this in these verses. That's, mm-hmm. He he tells you that's why he did it. It isn't just yeah. somebody's commentary and intuition. Yep. It actually says. It. Yep. Well, I like I like the part where he points out to him. He says, you know, he says, I could have wiped you out in one simple plague, but I didn't do it because I needed you to show the rest of the world that I'm I am who I say I am. I had one other comment to make. Sure. So in this hail coming down, we see that some of the people obeyed, some didn't. What does God tell us that he does to the rebellious son? What's what's the punishment that comes upon the rebellious son? Huh? Chastisement, he said. He gets stoned. He gets st- well. There's a stoning going yeah, on here works. <laughs> on all that rebelled against yeah. this command. Yeah. yeah. So when we see the earth getting stoned, yeah, the 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 the, the bad stoning, the bad stoning, yeah, right. <laughs> this is showing who all the rebellious people is because they obviously didn't bring the cattle in. Yeah. They didn't bring themselves in. Yeah. They didn't think it was going to happen. And so they're going to get what's coming to them because they completely defied yeah. God, and now they're going to get a stoning, yeah. indicating they're the rebellious people. Yep. On the other hand, you can imagine how the difficult position a lot of those Egyptians would have been in. I mean, and that's something I think about from our standpoint, too. If you're not thinking about this, if you're not prepared for this, if you're not at least have it on your radar screen, it's going to be hard for you to see it. Because the, the the rest of the world, the lamestream media, they're not going to be talking about it in the framework in which it's intended to be understood. <laughs> There's that, yeah. Go ahead, Pat. My commentary mentions that um, that uh, there had there's only one inch of rain in Cairo during that time. Mm-hmm. So. It was kind of like when Noah was told that it was going to rain, and they said, rain, what's that? We haven't yeah. had that before. <laughs> so if there wasn't much precipitation before that, it's no wonder it says there in the verse 24 that it was very grievous, like like none they'd had in Egypt since the na- it had become a nation. Yeah. So it makes me understand a little more why they were... Jocks. Jocks. About yeah, yeah. It. Well, the um, yeah, I bet you can count the number of hailstorms that uh, that come to Egypt on you know one finger <laughs> in a year. You know that just doesn't happen. 
God is a God of mercy and forgiveness. And yes. What more can he do than what he's done to show the world yeah. that he is the creator, that uh, he died on the cross, and mm-hmm. everything goes along with that. So he's given mankind every opportunity, every chance, but they still uh, well, they it, don't accept it. Yes, that, that's true, but he is giving. I would say he is giving, not has given. It's just not all over yet. The interesting mixture, hail and fire. Yeah. Two opposites. Mm-hmm. I don't have any insight on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, in uh, where is it here? Verse uh, oh, 21, he says, Those who did not set their heart on the word of Yahweh left their servants and livestock in the field. I kind of feel for those servants, you know, maybe they're thinking, uh, hey, can I get some cover here? And no, you guys stay out in the field. Yep, yep. Then, of course, in general, their lives are on the head of the master, so to speak. I mean, but you got to be, again, if I think it's reasonable for God to say, look, this is plague number seven. You know, you've seen what's going on here. You ought to be able to figure this out. And, And he gives them time. He gives them warning. He says, you know, he says, you need to get undercover. You know, if if bring all your animals and your servants undercover, you need to do this. So it's not like it came out of, oh, where'd that come from? They knew it was coming, right? So does somebody want to finish that uh, that chapter actually by reading from verse twenty-seven to the end? Sure. Okay. But uh, first, I had a comment about. Go ahead. Some, sometimes I watch these uh, videos on YouTube that they're like these. Uh, they're not exactly disaster videos, but people put up these videos like showing what's going on in the world as far as natural calamities. Yeah. And there's a lot of, a lot of stuff happening in the world, floods and just, you know, all kinds of stuff. But inevitably somebody will write in the comments section, this stuff has been going on forever. You know, nothing to see here. Yeah. yeah. Are you not watching what's going on in the world? (laughs) Oh yeah. It is funny. I mean, uh, yeah. Because you, like I say, things are happening. That's the bottom line is things are happening. Yeah. <laughs> hey, John, if you, uh, if you Google frozen methane hydrate, you can see videos of it. It looks like hail, looks like ice, but it burns. How about that? Burning ice. Methane hydrate. Frozen okay. methane hydrate. Yep. Kind of cool. Fun for my party. Basically what an asteroid is, isn't it? Just like a frozen... Some asteroids. Yeah. So what verse are we uh, in? We're 27? 27 to the end of the chapter, okay. if that's okay. Um, let's see. Okay. Pharaoh then sent and called for Moshe and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. Yahweh is righteous, and my people and I are wrong. Pray to Yahweh... Uh, for there has been enough of the thunder and hail of Elohim, and I am letting you go so that you stay no longer. And Moshe said to him, As soon as I go out of the city, let me spread out my hands to Yahuwah. Let the thunder cease and the hail be no more, so that you know that the earth belongs to Yahuwah. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear before Yahuwah Elohim. And the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head 
and the flax was in bud, but the wheat and the spilt were not struck, for they were late crops. And Moshe went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to Yahweh, and the thunder and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured on the earth. And Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, yet he sinned again, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was strengthened, and he did not let the children of Israel go, as Yahuwah had said through Moshe. It's hard to believe the guy could be so such a turkey. I mean, you know. Yeah, and his servants. Well, whenever we read that first thing, and his servants, he says, in verse 27, he said, uh, Yahweh is in the right, and I and my people, I would have put it in parentheses, what's left of them are wrong, right? So he's losing ground, you know, in, in terms of the popularity rating. I'm sure he's going down, right? You should be, they're not giving up yet. You shouldn't be so critical. At least he's consistent. <laughs> Consistently bad, yeah. Since uh, Kenny talked about the um, righteous and just, and we've been talking about that. So he says here in verse 27, I have sinned, and Yahuwah is the righteous one. Mm -hmm. He's the Zadik. Yeah. And all of us are basically Hamas. It's not the Hebrew word Hamas, but we're the wicked ones. Yeah. So he's confessing with his mouth only one half of the equation. Yeah. That God is righteous. What he has not come to terms with is that God is just. Yes. That's going to happen. Yes. yes. The, That's the, right. the understanding that he's righteous and just is yet to come. That's a good point. That's a very good point. But it sounds like at least he is willing to admit that, okay, okay, I've met my match. But somehow or another, he thinks, yeah, he thinks, well... Maybe if I just do one one more try, I can get it this time. I can get him, you know, where he's vulnerable, and I can be better than God. He cannot do that. Well, we know that. Because it's already in concrete that uh, even if he wanted to, there's no way he can do it because it's already too much into his DNA yeah. that he's not going to repent. He's not going to. Uh, these are just words. Hey, I'll do this. You know, give me a break. Yeah. But it's not well, going to happen. That, that that's way. what I was getting at earlier with my comment about how people don't value the truth anymore. You know, they if 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 somebody like this can say, okay, okay, I give, Uncle, you're right, I'm wrong, you can go, and then the next morning when all the pressure's off, say, no, nah, I've changed my mind. What kind of a person does that? Yeah, yeah, my fingers were crossed. Yeah. Another interesting note is we get a really, really, really clear picture of what time of the year this is. Good point. So, so when is the barley abib? So Spring. The right? word ear is abib. So the barley is abib ear, and it can't happen really before the 1st of March. And it's usually abib by um, the second week of April. Okay. okay. So somewhere in that four to six week window. Okay. Is when it varies. It can happen different times. Okay. But for sure it has to happen. And I'll just say after March 17th, when the, when the equinox happens, because we have to be in Israel. Yep. And, and there's not, you know, there's pretty close proximity here. This is called the latter rain. Okay. Time. 
Right. You know, this is the other part of the season. Yep. The early rains is is October yep. or November. Yep. And the latter rains is is this time of of, of March. Late spring, sorry, yeah. so to speak. The, the early first of March, yeah. last of February. Because we know that hail is happening and thunder. And you, if you've got hail and thunder, you've got rain somewhere. Absolutely. Yep. And so God is in, in this uh, rain, in this latter time of rain, we can expect, since God does things, He's this Moed time, we know that uh, Passover is a time of redemption. And when he's gathering us from the lands we've been scattered, that's got to be a redemption time because that's, that's when you're gathering. You, yep. So if that's the case, we should expect this seventh plague at about the time of the Abib barley. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's interesting. I was going to say, I, I've, I've often looked at that little parenthetic. Verse 31 and 32 are in parentheses. Um, I've always felt like they stuck that in there to answer the question of how did these people eat if the hailstorm ruined everything? And that, uh, that explains how, how they ate. Also, though, in answer to time of the year, uh, we know <laughs> the event that's coming up here in the very near future, the next couple of weeks, is the Passover, right? So that has to happen. I mean, that also places this in time. They're also able to, to tell a bee barley outside of Israel. <laughs> yes, that's good. good point. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're in chapter 10. Let's see. I don't know what to do here. Maybe, well, we got five minutes. You want to, we can read it and come back and talk about it if we don't finish. How about that? Sometimes I like to have nice stopping points, but. Let's read chapter 10. I'm going to read chapter 10, if that's all right, or some of it, and then we'll talk about it. So Pharaoh has said, okay, okay, you're God's God. You're right. We're wrong. But then he says, never mind. I don't care anymore. So starting in chapter 10, he says, then Yahweh said to Moses, go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials, so that I may perform these miraculous signs of mine among them, that you may tell your children and grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them, and that you may know that I am Yahweh. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, This is what Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, says. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts into your country tomorrow. They will cover the face of the ground so that, you, so that it cannot be seen. They will devour what little you have left after the hail, including every tree that is growing in your fields. They will fill your houses and those of all your officials and all the Egyptians, something neither your fathers nor your forefathers have ever seen from the day they settled in this land till now. And then Moses turned and left Pharaoh. Pharaoh's officials said to him, how long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship the Yahweh their God. Do you not yet realize that Egypt is ruined? Then Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. Go, worship Yahweh your God, he said, but just you will be going, or just who will be going? And Moses answered, we will, we will go with our young and our old and our sons and our daughters and with our flocks and herds 
because we are to celebrate a festival to Yahweh. Pharaoh said, Yahweh be with you if I let you go along with your women and children. Clearly you are bent on evil. No, have only the men go and worship Yahweh since that's what you've been asking for. And then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. And Yahweh said to Moses, stretch out your hand over Egypt so that locusts will swarm over the land and devour every, everything growing in the fields, everything left by the hail. Finish. So Moses stretched out his staff over Egypt and Yahweh made an east wind blow across the land that day. And all that night, <clears throat> by morning, the wind had brought the locusts and they invaded all of Egypt and settled down in every area of the country in great numbers. Never before had there been such a plague of locusts, nor will there ever be again. They covered all the ground until it was black. They devoured all that was left after the hail, everything growing in the fields on the fruit of the trees. Nothing green remained on tree or plant in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against Yahweh your God and against you. Now forgive my sin once more and pray to Yahweh your God to take this deadly plague away from me. Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh, and Yahweh changed the wind to a very strong west wind, which caught up all the locusts and carried them into the Red Sea. Not a locust was left anywhere in Egypt, but Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go. <laughs> what can you say? Verse 9 of 10. Okay. Moses said, We shall go with our young, our old, our sons, our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We shall go, for we must hold a hog. A hog. Okay. There's only three of the appointed times that are called a, a hog. That's Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot, huh? No, not Passover. It's unleavened bread. Unleavened bread, okay. So my point is, they held Passover in the land. That wasn't the hog. Okay. They actually, I see. I see. they actually held the first day of the hog in the land, but the seventh day of the hog, they were doing it out of the land. That's good. Point. Just as they said they were going to do. Okay. The last day of this hog, which brings us to a question. Since the Torah was given, what, three months later at Sinai, mm hmm. How did they know what hog was and, and what they were supposed to do here? That's an excellent question. That's an excellent question. Anybody have any thoughts about that? Beg your pardon? They did it before. Okay. Yep. Yep. One comment I, I got here, I forget where I saw it, that that Moses goes into town, he comes out of town, he goes into the palace, comes out of the palace. Yahshua did that. Yes. He, always, he always left Jerusalem yep. and went up to yeah. Mount of Olives, yep. Bethany. And they didn't stay in there. Didn't stay. Interesting observation, yeah. Yeah. You know, if, um, if what you're saying, and I, I don't doubt it, if what you're saying is they always knew about these, you know, the... The feast days of the Lord are his appointed times that have been documented for us in the Torah, in, in Exodus, if you will. Leviticus is actually where they are. Um, 
But if they knew about them before the Torah was given, so to speak, uh, then we know that those appointed times are not only celebrations of stuff that God has done, of things that God has done, but they're predictors of what God's going to do in the future. Yeah. And so when we know, for example, that uh, the coming of Yeshua, his first advent, as they like to say, fulfilled the spring feasts, and his coming back in the book of Acts is Shavuot. So the ones that haven't been fulfilled are the ones in the spring. But it's not the least bit unsurprising then that he would have told people before this, told the, our forefathers, the patriarchs, about the Moed and told them that these Moed are to be practiced by you because they will predict for you the events that are going to come. And so if any of those guys had really been on the ball, uh, they would have been studying all of that and known that, that the Passover was the culmination of this hog that they'd been celebrating for who knows how long. Of course, back then, giving them the benefit of the doubt, they wouldn't have had a clue what it was all about, much like we don't either have too much of a clue about what's coming. <laughs> so all of that fits. It's just, uh, it's amazing to me because it helps you think, it helps you understand that God's got this all planned. So you pointed out God does things on his appointed times. Yep. We know that. Yep. Because if, if we didn't know it was a Moed and he did it on a Moed, then we have no clue and connection that it was a sign that yeah. really that his signature on the event. Yeah. So when uh, Lot is redeemed out of Sodom and Gomorrah on Passover, they had to have known it was a Moed so they could make a connection. God's doing this amazing event on his Moed. <laughs> Same thing goes with... Um, Abraham redeeming Lot from the five kings. Uh-huh. Same thing goes with the promised seed. All of these times on the Moeds are happening, and they're making connections. What's interesting about Egypt is, is they may have forgotten it, just like we have forgotten it, in the land of captivity. Yes. And God's bringing it back where we actually keep it for the first time in captivity like they are, and we need a reminder of, hey, this is really what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool. There's a lot of the, the stuff that they knew back then that was just word of mouth. They had it written it down. I mean, you know, the, this was, Moses was the guy that wrote it. Um, so all the stuff that went on in the book of Genesis is uh, the, the subject of hundreds of years worth of verbal, you know, oral history. We've gone too far. I think it's time to, not too far, but it's time to close. So... Okay, one other point. Something for us all to think about. If we've pointed out that this hail, which is, is it the seventh or eighth plague? It's the, the hail is the seventh plague, I think. Okay. Yeah. So we've obviously got from, let's say, after March 17th. So we, we're, we're within three weeks of Passover here. Yeah. Okay, of, of, of the event. It'll be interesting to see if we can figure out which one of these was the 10th day of Nisan? <laughs> yeah. That should be an important thing. Maybe we may be able to figure that out in here and some kind of connection with yeah, yeah. one of the plagues. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, go good idea. Any other final comments? I'll close. Father God, thank you for the evening. Thank you for the time in your word. Thank you for how much fun it is to look at this and to realize that you've woven together this really amazingly intricate tapestry and it, it all these strings 
uh, just follow each other, and they're just exactly where they're supposed to be. Help us to continue to study it and continue to look to you and your word so that we can anticipate what's coming and be in your will and do the right things. Just help us to keep, uh, keep our eyes on you and our ears open so that we can do what you want us to do. In Yeshua's name, amen.